1: Hello and welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on arsblog.com. How are you? Thank you very much indeed as always for being here. Hope all is good with you and yours during this interlol week. Many of the players have gone around the world to play games for their countries. Some of them are friendly. Some of them are Nations Leagues. And we'll keep fingers crossed that the Arsenal players who go away have a uh, successful injury-free time and come back fit and healthy and ready to go because this time next week, we will be talking, I guess, about a North London derby and a month ahead in October, which is going to be extremely challenging. But all that can wait Because, you know, it's uh, next week and we don't want to be premature and get ahead of ourselves or anything like that. Nevertheless, we do have a good show for you today. In a little while, I will be talking to Matt Spiro about William Saliba and the fantastic start he has had to his... Arsenal career proper. Of course, he did sign for the club in 2019, but he's only begun to play this season. It's all going very well. We'll talk to Matt about that. Also, Flo Balagoon on loan in France and Nuno Tavares on loan in France. Matt will give us some insight into how things are going for them. Uh, Also, a bit later, I'll give you the winners of the David Dean book competition. I interviewed David last week and we had some copies of the book to give away, so I'll give you the winners of that in a little while. Uh, For those of you who are asking, and many of you have and are are very kind to ask about Lana, uh, the dog who had her hip replacement operation a few weeks back and and how she's doing very well. We had all the uh, stitches and staples out of her leg, no infection or anything like that. She's beginning to put some weight on it. She's definitely feeling a bit more like her old self because the magpies in the back garden, she's barking at them, but because she has to spend six weeks basically in in a crate to make sure she doesn't do any damage to the new hip, it is a little bit frustrating for her, and I think she is getting a little bit bored of just staying in the crate we're trying to entertain her trying to amuse her but this is uh this is the difficult part now is to convince this little dog that she's not that little but to convince her uh, that you have to stay still when she wants to go out and do running and jumping and that kind of stuff and she can't but she's going well she's going well so far so good still a way to go but thank you all for the uh for the inquiries and i will give her a rub on the head for all of you guys. right let's get on and talk about the uh the arsenal stuff all the the Arsenal stuff that's going on at the moment. And with me to do that is Andrew Allen. Hello, Andrew.
2: Hello there. Yeah, all the Arsenal stuff.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's a bit tumbleweedy. I do wonder if we'd be feeling a bit differently about this interlull, you know, had the postponements and everything else not taken place, because we would have had a few more games and maybe just felt like it's about time, you know, just get a bit of a rest in before we go into this crazy October 9 games uh, in the space of 30 days, whatever it is. But it feels like it's come at a bad time in a way because, you know, we, we got back on the horse after uh, losing at Manchester United, beat Brentford comfortably and kind of going, oh, it would be good if we had another game.
2: Yeah. I mean, in, in many respects, I mean, it's kind of nice to sort of sit back and just bask in the fact that we're top for a couple of weeks. Yeah. yeah. Um, but this was the first season in, I I don't even remember how long, where we, we'd kind of got rid of that pesky September interlow because of the World Cup. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you get the chance to build up some momentum and really get into the season. And then obviously um, everything that happened happened and we ended up with a kind of impromptu break anyway. So, um, I mean, it was so important to beat Brentford because I think if we'd come into this period ahead of nine games, sort of two Premier League defeats on the bounce, mm. that would have been incredibly frustrating. And I was a little bit nervous because you, you you never really know how things are going to go. Um, when you when you go away from home, and especially those early kickoffs, which in the past we've had some nightmarish scenarios. Um, but it was perfect. I yeah. don't think we've had a more kind of complete performance than that in such a long time. So um, when the full-time whistle went, it was kind of like, great, a couple of weeks off, we go again in October.
1: Yeah. Uh, the, the, was it, I think, Granit who talked about the – the fact that we showed we, we weren't going to lose games in bunches. Um, I think it was a Xhaka quote. I can't quite remember. Xhaka or Gabriel Someone, anyway. But that was an important thing, and it, it, it's clear, anyway, from whoever it was that said it. I'm displaying my huge research here, but I know I read it, and I was trying to Google it there as you were talking, but I can't find it. But, you know, it does show that that thing was on the players' minds. I think it was Xhaka, because he said, teams are respecting us a bit more. You know, they they they, they can see there's a bit more about Arsenal this season. But, they were obviously aware of that going into this game, that last season when we lost, we lost again. And maybe we lost again before we, we got ourselves back on track. So for, for the players who are obviously feeling pretty confident as it stands anyway, just to sort of cross that little thing off the, the, the list, if you like, of, of things you've got to improve on this season will have been very positive as well.
2: Yeah. I mean, obviously last season, we all know about that horrible start we made and, you sense that from the get-go we were basically up against it. Teams knew that, you know, there was a sort of fragility there that could potentially be got at. And this season, I guess, as annoying as it was to lose to Manchester United, and I really don't feel like we deserve to. We've we've managed to kind of keep the negativity at, at bay. Mm. And really, it, you know, I think even Thomas Frank said it. I mean, that Man United game could have gone either way. We have pretty much dominated and deserved to win every game we've played this season. Um I mean, I know that people will point to the, the the fixture list being relatively kind, but you've said it before. Everyone's said it before. You can only beat who's in front of you mm. so far. Aside from United, we've, we've done that. Mm. Um, I don't think we'll go to United too many times and play as well as we did and come away with nothing. Um, so, I mean, honestly, it's been such a... I had high hopes coming into the season. There was a sort of level of positivity despite the frustration of the way last season ended, I think obviously the transfer window, the way we played in preseason, um, all of that kind of helped kind of create this sense of excitement. But, you know, we've just gone about our job really diligently in every position. And I still think that there's, you know, there's obviously been stars, people who've come to the fore, but there's also, I feel like another gear for us to go into, um, which is even, you know, really, really exciting, I think. Um, you know, that we've seen little glimpses of new guys, but um, maybe not everything that they can deliver. Certainly not with Sinchenko. Um, We're only just getting a first taste of Vieira. And, um, you know, I think there's probably more to come from Marquinhos as well.
1: Yeah, Vieira obviously was um, the guy we were looking at on, on Sunday against Brentford. He's in the team in place of Martin Odegaard, who's been hugely important and influential in this team. And cracked in a brilliant goal, played very well overall. It was his first start in the Premier League, away from home at a club that, you know, has given us problems, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. I, I see a lot of talk about the physicality aspect of it. And he's clearly not the biggest guy in the world. But I do wonder how much that really counts um, in the Premier League. Like, I think he could probably become a little bit more robust, but you don't want to, like, Get him in the gym and uh, make him into a like little tiny beefcake guy. I don't know that that would work for him. Um, I mean, do you think that's an impediment if you've got the talent, if you've got the skill to deal with it? Uh, you know, we've seen players before who are small but who can cope with whatever the Premier League throws at them because their technical ability is good enough. I, I, I guess we've still got to see with Vieira as to whether or not that's the case. Um, but what what we've seen so far has been very promising.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I don't know so much about the physicality thing anymore. I mean, I think if you look across the league in almost every single team, there's sort of a, a, a smaller guy. I mean, even Brentford brought on Damsgaard the other day, who's a sort of small, astute, tactical, technical player who you know, I think will be very good for them this season as a replacement Mm. for Ericsson, who again is a similar type. But you could even point to someone like Bruno Fernandes being physically, you know, inferior to some of the opponents they come up against. Mm. I I, I just think when you look at Vieira on the ball and his understanding of the game, you kind of hope that he doesn't actually have to, (laughs) he doesn't have to get crunched, you know, Mm. in challenges too often. I mean, I know it did happen the other day on the touchline and whatnot, but, you know, he's a footballer. I think I can't remember if it was you or James who said it on the askcast extra on Monday. It was like, well, he's probably been the smallest guy on the pitch at every level he's played football <laughs> and yeah. he's come through pretty well so far. So, that was James. You yeah. know, I yeah, I kind of I completely take that opinion really and you know, as a football club, you don't spend 40 million euros at the drop of a hat on a guy you think might struggle uh, just because he's a bit small. Um so I'm I'm very confident. I actually thought against Brentford he was um I thought it was good, but I thought it was quite safe. Like, I feel like, you know, there was a, a kind of ticking over whenever the ball got to him, but he wasn't necessarily imposing himself as I think he might come to mm. impose himself on games going forward. Um, I think, er- uh, uh, er- well, maybe not Erzl. Erdegaard was the same. I mean, Erdegaard was a little bit conservative when he first came to the side, like trying to get a feel for what's going on around him, what the players like, all the rest of it. Um, so I actually think, you know, there's more. There's definitely more to come from it. I mean, obviously, yeah. when you see a guy crack a ball in from 25 yards like he did, you know, basically give the keeper the eyes and then send him the other way. I mean, it was a terrific strike. I mean, how can your appetite not be wet by that?
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And I agree with you about, you know, the not quite playing it safe, but it does take a bit of time to get used to the Premier League and, and knowing the opposition you're going to play against, knowing the way that they're going to play. Um, just becoming more comfortable in your new surroundings. Even, I thought it was quite interesting that uh, uh, the post-game interview that he did, he had Gabrielle Martinelli with him. And the two of them apparently have become uh, become really good friends very quickly. But Martinelli was there not necessarily as a translator because Fabio Vieira's English is quite good. I saw him answer questions that, you know, I've seen players arrive um, and they can't speak English and sometimes they, you know, they go on TV and they try and they do their best and fair play to them and everything else. But Vieira's English is pretty good. So he didn't necessarily need Martinelli there as a translator, but just maybe as a kind of... um, not bodyguard either, media bodyguard is the wrong way, but just to give you that sense of uh, of comfort when you're doing things like that. And that might be true as as to what's happening on the pitch as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, we've we've seen over the last couple of windows that no matter where we've gone and got players from, we've made a real big thing about their communication skills being good. I mean, even Tommy Asu came to England with, with very good English comparatively. Mm. Um, I think the only one where we've kind of maybe rolled the dice a little bit on that is Marquinhos and and Arteta has referenced it a few times that his language skills are nowhere near where they need to be. But at the moment he's kind of getting around the place on a on a smile and a, and a good attitude. <laughs> um, but yeah, with Vieira, I mean, it, it seemed pretty much from the get-go like with his Arsenal um, you know, his Arsenal introductory uh, interviews and stuff that he was speaking English there and again, you know, quite a surprise. I mean I say that you know, as a sort of ignorant British person who <laughs> everywhere you go you just sort of point and speak louder and feel slightly inferior to everyone who comes to this country and can do it fluently in whatever ten languages it is. Um yeah, no, fair I mean fair play to him. And I, I I thought what was interesting with the Martinelli situation is Martinelli obviously has been a younger member of the squad himself before, but he seems to be sort of playing the, the bigger brother, even though by age, he's he is still younger than, um, than Vieira. Um, but it's really nice to see those kind of friendships striking up. You know, that bond is building. I mean, you hear Saliba talking about it with Gabriel as well, because... Mm as Saliba's English improves, he's been talking a lot of French with Gabrielle, who obviously played in France for a few years. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's really, really important. I mean, all the vibes about the team spirit are, you know, positive. Everybody, I mean, it's very rare to hear players in a team talking about team spirit in a negative way. They always Mm. seem to suggest it's always improving. It's never been as good as it is right now, that type of thing. But, I mean, right now you do look around and then you throw in the element of the... You know the relationship with the fans, which really hasn't been better in a long, mm. long time, and that general positivity—I mean, all of it just comes to the surface.
1: Yeah, winning games as well is a is a big help in that regard. Like everything is good when you're when you're on top and when you're scoring goals and when you're winning games and you're sitting top of the table. As you say, it's easy to feel good about about what's going on. Um, as we do go into this interlude, though, there are some players who. I think we look at and might have a few concerns about. So Martin Odegaard is away with Norway. We don't quite know if he's going to play or not during this break. They're friendlies. Are they friendlies or are they Nations League games for Norway?
2: I mean, basically the same thing. But yeah, I know what you mean.
1: Yeah. Um, so you're kind of hoping that they, you know, th- there's common sense um that play, yeah,
2: man. I saw, I saw Solbach the, and the manager talk about um, Erdegaard joining the group in some capacity, potentially as a, a fourth coach, they kind of said, um, as if, you mm. know, even if he wasn't there to actually play the matches, he might kind of have a, a cheerleading role or just be part of the group, which is, you know, I can understand. Obviously, Arsenal would want to have a say about whether the player needs to be doing his rehab in London mm. and I'm sure they won't get to trump any decision Arsenal make on that but uh, yeah I mean it, it can't be that bad if 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 he was expecting the guy to join up in some capacity
1: yeah Thomas Partey is another made his comeback against Brentford um, he's got two games away with Ghana. One of them is uh, Brazil. I think, I can't remember who the other one is against. It could be Nicaragua. I think
2: it's Nicaragua in south of Spain. Or yes, something.
1: something like that. And this is one of those where you're like, okay, you know, these games could be quite useful for him because he has been out for, you know, whatever it was, a month or thereabouts, uh, and, and you know, getting that match fitness. But it does seem to be a case that, he can sort of go for so long and then it goes again. It goes for so long, then it goes again. Um, I mean, what's your what's your sense on, on that situation? Like it could be useful for him to come back and get those minutes under his belt, but it pushes him closer to the next one, maybe.
2: Yeah, I, it's a strange one really, isn't it? Because quite a few of the injuries we've had have come via training sessions rather than matches yeah. um in the last couple of months. And um I mean I'm not I'm not so worried about it. I mean in an ideal world, yeah, maybe Thomas Partey would be wrapped up in cotton wool and at London Coldney just getting ready for the Spurs game. Um I don't know if he's gonna end up playing hundred and eighty minutes of these games is 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 possible. Mm. Um I think it was very clear that we did miss him. When he wasn't playing, mm-hmm. um, it's no surprise that he wasn't in the midfield, or rather, Samby was in midfield rather than him at Old Trafford, and that didn't quite go to plan. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it is a it is a slight concern, especially with El Nenny obviously sidelined for however many months. We still don't really know what the deal is there. I mean, the injury situation in general has been a bit concerning. You know, Zinchenko's picked up a couple, mm. Smith Rowe obviously. Um, uh who else did we know? Erdegaard's obviously had something, Nelson's had something. Um yeah, I, I, it's a, it's an underlying concern given the you know the preseason that most of them have had. Yeah,
1: and like there are a little bit few worries about depth and, and what have you, though. Yeah. As I said on the, 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 the RS Cast Extra on Monday, like the depth was evident against Brentford in that Without Odegaard, we have Vieira. Without Zinchenko, we have Tierney. Um, but there comes a point where that does get a, a little bit stretched. Um, an interesting one as well, I think, is Tommy Asu. i seen some quotes from him today um, where he says he's he's not satisfied. Um, and you can understand why he's not satisfied because he's not playing uh, very often. Ben White, I think, has been one of our uh, outstanding players. doesn't really get an awful lot of mention, um, but I think he's been really really good in the right back position um, which again is evidence of our depth because without Tommy Asu we have Ben White because uh, it's not Cedric and we have uh, Saliba in a centre half um, Tommy Asu says when you look at the uh, the players selected as starters in the Premier League games you will understand what is required to be there I will work hard in order to get my position back and it is an interesting one because you know this is a guy who in the first half of last season was absolutely superb, um, fell by the wayside, and I think we suffered a little bit because of uh, his absence, particularly in the final part of the season, even though he did come back, but I don't think he was quite 100%. That's a really interesting one, isn't it? Because th- that that sort of line between competition, a competitive environment, and a really tough decision for a manager to make uh, is quite a thin one. Um, you know, you wouldn't say anybody is is... Uh, Deserving to lose their place, if that's the way you want to put it. But obviously in November, he's going to have to mix things up a little bit and make sure that people don't get too fatigued.
2: Yeah, look, I think if Tomiyasu had been properly fit at the start of the season, he'd have been in with a a real shout of starting all the games, you know, from the get-go. But obviously Mm. that wasn't the case. So Ben White was put in there and Ben White's done well. So you don't necessarily just take him out because, you know, Tomiyasu's back. I think there is absolutely no doubt in my mind that Tommy Asu will play a lot of football between now and the World Cup. Um, you know, mm. almost all the Europa League games, but also I think Ben White will need a rest. Um, and if Ben White doesn't need a rest, then maybe Gabriel or um, William Saliba will, and then Ben White will be the first one to move across. So, I mean, I think it's you want to hear your players aren't satisfied when they're not playing. Uh, but yeah, Tommy Asu's going to have a lot of football coming up and given the way that his body's coped with um things last season mm. you know that in itself will be a test and you know unlike ben white he's a cert to go to the world cup so he'll also have potentially at least three or four games well three games in the group stages and then see how they do um at a time when ben white it's looking increasingly likely will be in london um yeah i mean i, I i'm not i'm not too concerned about about tommy asio I, I think um Looking across the squad, as, as far as I can tell, like only Cedric, Matt Turner uh, haven't played any kind of Premier League minutes so far. Mm. Um, Cedric's actually another one who's had an injury, hasn't he? He's yeah. been sidelined, and you know that must have come in training because he's not played any minutes. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a weird one. I guess there was a very intense pre-season. Um, I don't know if Arsenal are running or playing you know, training sessions at a higher intensity than they have done in the past. These are all unknowns. As fans, you never know. Well,
1: we're playing um, at a higher intensity. So you yeah, would yeah, imagine that, that 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 is reflected in training because you, I mean, you, look, you, you train like you play, you play like you train, whatever way you want to look at it. There is obviously a, a measure of restraint in training. But if you want to be able to play with that intensity, you've got to put in the mm-hmm. the work as well. So maybe that's it.
2: I mean, uh, there is something else which has sort of crossed my mind, which is, when you've got greater squad depth, you can almost afford not to have players take a risk. So if they feel something, mm. you're asking them to kind of you know, announce that early doors because we don't have to push them into action the way that we used to have to push them into action. We've got two or three other options. Mm. Um, and actually, in the long term, that might help us over the course of the season because we don't allow little things to become much bigger problems, um, which obviously has been an issue in the past Uh, I don't know I mean it's you know it's one of these things where we're never going to get a true answer out of the club I guess
1: yeah that's a good point though you know a couple of two or three week absences rather than something that's going to be out for a couple of months like Kieran Tierney with the knee for example you know when you feel something in your knee say it uh, Mm. and don't risk something happening at a later date Uh, Tommy Asu is going to face off against Matt Turner actually in a, in a friendly Japan versus the U.S. Uh, on Friday, uh, Friday 23rd, which is tomorrow at the time of recording, and they're playing Ecuador uh, in another friendly. Um, I find it mad that Ben White might not go to the World Cup in the England squad, I have to say, based on current form this season and everything else I've seen. I think he'd be hard done by if he missed out.
2: Yeah. I mean, I guess he he was a very, very late addition, wasn't he, to the... Euro 2021, 20, whatever tournament, whatever we call it these days. Mm. Um, you know, he kind of, you know, ended up being the kind of guy that they turned to when there was a couple of injuries. And I, you know, maybe there's an outside chance that happens again. But you can't help but slightly wonder if he's still picking Maguire, who quite clearly is out of form and not getting minutes. He suddenly turned to Eric Dyer, who, you know, hasn't really been around the squad for a while. Mm. Um, you know, people like Luke Shaw are getting call-ups and stuff. I mean, I think Arteta was 100% right the other day to point out, you know, Ben White's versatility is 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 100% a positive when you're taking a team to a, an international tournament because you never know what can happen on the injury front. And mm. You need people who understand systems and whatnot. So, yeah, I I don't know. It's It's a weird one. I just feel like it's 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 hugely surprising to me that he's not played more, not just, you know, not been selected for this squad, but he's he's not really been in and around the, the squad for the last couple of camps. I know there were some injuries towards the end of last season. But, yeah. um, you know, maybe it's just one of those, you know, personality things. Maybe Gareth Southgate doesn't quite feel him in the way that he does some of the other guys.
1: Mm. Imagine not connecting with Gareth Southgate, Mr... <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Exciting himself, um, yeah. Well, look, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, like from an Arsenal perspective, if, if he doesn't go, I'm okay with that. I guess. So you don't have a guy who's away, and uh, but we're going to have plenty of players there anyway to see. Um, just moving on, there was some talk this week after the debut of Ethan Waneri. Um, some criticism in certain sections of the media. And uh, our friend Dan from HLTCO uh, did a very good little podcast on this. People can listen to it. Um, If you go to his Twitter at HLTCO or patreon.com HLTCO, you'll find the free uh, podcast there. Give it a listen. He's very good on this. But but criticism of the decision to give this 15-year-old his debut, it was called Self-Indulgent by Mikel Arteta and Irresponsible as well. And I don't know quite how anybody who has looked at, listened to, or heard Mikel Arteta speak uh, in the two and a half years that he's been Arsenal manager, he doesn't really do things that are self-indulgent. He doesn't really uh, make decisions based on uh, things that he feels aren't right for the, the football club or the players that, you know, he has at, at his disposal. Now, I do think there might be something, you know, in, in giving this uh, young man his debut to sort of cement his connection to the club because he's still on scholarship forms you're a can sign professional so there might be something in that because he's so talented they really want to fast track him and make him feel uh, like part of the team but that to me is just basically good management of your youth talent rather than it being uh, you know Mikel Arteta wanting to say oh look I, I'm the manager who gave the youngest player ever his debut that's not really how he operates
2: no, I, I, I can see maybe one angle where you might criticize Arteta for the substitution and that is, he's he doesn't really know how this kid is going to develop over the course of the next couple of years. I mean, he really is raw. 15 years old is raw. He's not played really at any higher than under 18 level, I think I'm right. Mm. Maybe a couple of under 21 games. Um, it was a massive departure for Arteta because he had many chances over the course of the time that he's been at the club now coming up to three years to to give kids debuts and closing stages of matches. I think more than anything, it says to me that Mikel Arteta is becoming more confident in himself and his position at Arsenal and that he feels that he can make decisions like this where maybe before he was a little bit cautious. So obviously the circumstances of the game allowed for him to make a substitution like that. Sure. But as I said before, he's had opportunities to do that type of stuff before. And, you know, there was Matt Smith on the bench there, who at the age of 21, 22, who's been in and around the Arsenal side, has been itching for his own debut and hasn't had the chance, I don't think. Pretty sure and certainly hasn't had a Premier League match. No, I don't think um, so. So, you know, he, you know, there might be a couple of other kids who are older than uh, and Weneri who, who are maybe asking, well, how come I haven't had my chance? But I suspect maybe those chances will come this season in a way that, you know, we haven't had those opportunities potentially because of the five subs now being reintroduced post, you know, having kind of gone away, having been introduced during COVID. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, I feel like Arteta's is more confident. I feel like something washed over him the night before the game. He kept talking about it being a gut feeling, like I'm going to give this kid... Uh, a go on the pitch. And that was sort of quite a, that was a very un kind of artetery thing. He's very scientific, very measured, very disciplined, very, you know, all these types of things. And this just seemed to be heart overhead in many respects. Um, I don't know what the kid's contract situation is, if he's wavering and this is going to tip him over the line. Um, I do think the club now have a bit of a job on their hands, making sure that he's given the level of kind of care and attention he needs to deal with the added spotlight because, mm. you know, within about 20 minutes of the game finishing, there was 150 articles about who he is. You know, we've <laughs> seen his head teacher interviewed on Sky Sports. We've, you know, I, it, you know, that's, that's a lot for a 15 year old kid to, to cope with. And obviously All eyes are going to be on his development now, you know, where he goes next and whether Arsenal give him more opportunities. I think Arteta did kind of try and play things down a little bit in the post-game press conference, said maybe the next steps have to be backwards and sideways before going forwards again. Mm. I mean, seems pretty logical because you're not going to see a 15-year-old playing regular football in the Premier League. Um but yeah, look, I, it was a talking point, I guess. Um, I'm excited for the kid, and everything I hear is that he's a very, very, very good player, intelligent, down to earth, and you know, it's great to hear and see kids like that getting opportunities at Arsenal. Yeah. No, I
1: mean, I, I, I just don't really see how it can be anything other than, I get what you're saying completely, actually, about the, the spotlight thing, because it is a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, you go from obscurity to like a week-long talking point for various reasons. Many of them, the majority of them, thankfully, positive who can see this for what it is. The others, you know, maybe not so much. And that is just perhaps part of the media cycle that those people are involved in, but you know, I, whatever about Arteta acting on his gut or his heart or, or whatever else, I don't think he would have done it. Um, without considering those things, without considering those other aspects as well, because you, you you just can't, because you know that when you make your debut as a fifteen year old for a club like Arsenal and then become the youngest player ever to play ever anywhere ever, basically, uh, you know it it is going to have some some repercussions for you know for his life, I guess, uh, and what it means for him. But you know, I, I do think that. Based on the conversations that he said he had with Per Mertesacker, um, you know you have to you have to imagine that these guys talk all the time, right? Like not just about whether this player is talented because they're all talented to be in an uh, academy like Arsenal. You have to be a talented player, but are you ready physically? Do you understand the game well enough? Are you tactically aware? Can you take instruction? What are you like as a person as a personality like I'm sure all of those things were taken into account before he made that decision even if it was just to give him three or four minutes.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you say, I mean, I think things are looking pretty joined up. We know the relationship between Mertesacker mm. and Arteta is incredibly close. You know, they were good pals when they were playing together at the club and, um, you know, probably the two most mature heads in any room. Uh, mm. It would, it feels like at Arsenal over the course of the last sort of decade or so. So um, th- th- I, I really just hope that people don't use it against the player because, you know, he just needs to kind of settle down now, get into a rhythm, get more games under his belt, more experience, probably at some point go out on loan. And then, you know, we may see him again in a couple of years' time. Um, I know obviously we've had other kids come through very early, Mm. you know, Fabregas and um, Wilshire. uh, uh, Saka made his debut at 17, 18, didn't he? Mm. I mean, it's we're talking 6 7 months difference really in terms of age between those guys um yeah i mean they've proved you can they can do it if you're good enough mm. you'll 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 be fine um i yeah well, let's see how it goes. I hope he doesn't get marked out in kind of, you know, under-21 football now as a kind of the guy to go for because he's the guy who was 15 years old and made his Premier League debut. And maybe that won't happen. Maybe his teammates will have his back anyway. But, sure. um, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's super exciting for the kid. And, he you know, he really is a kid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And
1: exciting for the academy and, and for the... For the way it demonstrates as a pathway from the academy to first team, you know, which has been shown by the fact that we've got Eddie Nketiah, Bakayo Saka, Emil rowe all in the team as well. So um, it's a good tradition, a good Arsenal tradition. And uh, hopefully um, we see a lot more of this guy um, in the years to come, if not in the uh, very near future. Um, all right, we'll leave it there. Andrew, as always, thanks very much. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much indeed to Andrew. You can find him on Twitter. He is at A. Allen Sport at A. Allen Sport.
0: A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.
1: Now, you will remember last week we did a competition to give away some copies of David Dean's book entitled Calling the Shots. I asked a question about what party game Arsene Wenger and David Dean played when they had that famous meeting for the first time. And I gave you, I think, a couple, I think there was uh, musical chairs, Twister and charades. And uh, charades, of course, was the answer. A surprising amount of people went with twister though which um, you know certainly conjured up some images in my mind and now they're in your mind too the random number generator picked three people at random uh, who chose charades and not twister and those three people are chris kent ken hickey and richard tenby well done to you guys I will be in touch by email. We'll get your details and we will get the book sent out to you ASAP. Right. Let's crack on with the show. And with me now to talk William Saliba, Flo Balagoon and much more, it's Matt Spiro. Hi, Matt.
3: Hello, Andrew. How are you? I'm, I'm very, very well, thank you. Enjoying a,
1: a very good season so far. It's, uh, yeah, been a lot of fun it sure has now last time we spoke was I think probably about the halfway point of last season and we were doing a kind of uh, like a midterm report on William Saliba and it was going well for him at Marseille and I think it continued to go well for him at Marseille but there were you know throughout last season some concerns some worries was he going to come back would he be welcome back into the fold would Marseille try and take him uh, you know on a permanent basis would Arsenal be open to that and saying that right now it seems absolutely fucking ludicrous that such a thing might <laughs> <laughs> might happen. Are you in any way surprised by how well he has started this season at Arsenal?
3: Um no, uh, from a playing point of view I'm, I'm I'm not surprised because I know um I know what he's capable of and uh, you know I've seen him for a full season at Marseille, for half a season at Nice and uh, I'm I'm not surprised about that. I think mm. perhaps when we were talking 6 months ago I wasn't 100% sure that we'd be talking about William Saliba, an Arsenal player, um, at this point in time, mm. because there there were doubts, you know, and I certainly had 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 doubts that Mikel Arteta would um, would show faith in 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 William Saliba, because there 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 were there were issues, there were problems um, between between the two parties, and I think it's dangerous to send a player of that ability back to his homeland. I think it's one thing to send him to Saint-Étienne or to Nice, but send him mm. to Marseille, who are, um, with all due respect to PSG, Marseille, the biggest club in France. they got a massive following and uh, he was hugely popular there. Marseille wanted to get uh, a buy option into his contract at, at the beginning. Arsenal resisted that, thankfully. And, um, yeah, he would have had that season with with the Marseille fans, with... Marseille players, Matteo Genduzzi in the dressing room saying, "Come on, William, stay on. We've got, you know, we've got something good going on here." And uh, uh, you know, at the same time, when when I did that interview with Saliba towards the beginning of last season, he said to me um, that he absolutely feels like an Arsenal player. So you know, I knew he 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 wanted his future to be with Arsenal, but I had mm. doubts as to whether that would happen with Arteta. But in terms of his performances, no, no, I'm absolutely not surprised. I, I'm, I'm pleased. Obviously, you never know how it's going to go. Um, but from the Crystal Palace game onwards, he's been
1: outstanding. Sure. There's some interesting quotes uh, just dropped this morning uh, via Canal Plus, And he talks about his start to the season. I came back here to win, so it's nice to start. And then he said, from uh, from a personal point of view... It was better for me to go on loan to play, make mistakes, learn. I came back stronger and with new ambitions. These experiences proved to me football is complicated, but you should never give up and believe in yourself. And I think you probably could make a good case that, let's say, there was probably a time last season where when Arsenal could have done with William Saliba, particularly towards the end of the campaign when um, you know injuries and fatigue and all those things kind of kicked in and we, we saw you know what happened with Rob Holding in the derby and, and everything else. But from a broader perspective, you know that 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 full season on loan, as you say, in a in a in a big club where there is a lot of pressure, there's an expectation to perform, and when you get to a certain point in the table, you know they were uh, they got Champions League football, all of that kind of stuff. You know, in a 38 game season for Arsenal, which unfortunately was only just over 38 games because the cup games didn't go particularly well either. You know, the 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 decision to send him on loan has probably been justified by the absolute readiness of this guy. Now pushing for a place in the France squad. He has all that experience. And I think Arsenal are, are are benefiting from that.
3: I think you're right. I think it's worked out really well. I, I just, yeah, I don't think it was part of a carefully thought out master plan, but again, you know, I don't think we need to go over what, you know what's happened in, in 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 the past um we don't know exactly um well i don't exactly what you know what happened between saliba and arsenal but he was you know he he felt i you know i can say that with certainty he felt as though he was unwanted um by Michael. i i don't think it was a case go to marseille come on william we're going to be watching you every week he, i don't think he was told that there was uncertainty in his head but from a footballing point of view that season that he had in marseille was absolutely brilliant I think you know I, I think he's developed as as a man to go there carry the Marseille defense they played a sort of gung ho football with Jorge Sampaoli where the defense played very high up they were able to do that because of Saliba's speed um, they could only do that with with Saliba in the team and luckily for for them he he was basically fit all season so yeah I, we talk about mistakes he says I, I made mistakes he did make some and no real outrageous howlers um, and he, he'll he make some this season, I I, I think. Mm. Um, but no, it, it's worked out well, Andrew. And I, I I was talking to somebody the other day and um, saying, you know, if, if Saliba had been thrown in the deep end last season at Arsenal and we'd lost our first three matches, mm. you can imagine people going, well, hang on, what? You know, this guy's a kid. He's not ready. And, you know, it could have been counterproductive. So in that respect, yeah, he's come in 21 now looking looking like he's absolutely ready.
1: Yeah, you know, and like just in terms of what he brings to this Arsenal team when we think about you know a lot of the focus has been on the difference in attack with Gabriel Jesus coming in and what he's uh, done at center forward and how he has transformed that position and you know, the 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 way that Arsenal appear to be a much more progressive team now but I don't think we can overlook the fact that a lot of that is due to a big investment in in the defence with Tommy Asu coming in, Ben White coming in, Aaron Ramsdale coming in, Gabrielle's a, a relatively recent signing. This is a very a re, a completely reworked defence from where it was, you know, two two seasons ago, three seasons ago, when we were having nightmares and and hysterics over the likes of Mustafi and socrates and and Louise to an extent as well. This is completely different. But when we when we look at um, William Saliba to come in. The physical presence, the pace, the way he reads the game, the I think the, the, the assurance, the coolness that yep. he feels when he's got the ball in difficult positions at the back. It's very difficult to remember a young defender who plays with such confidence on the ball. And I think you're right. Like any young defender, he is going to make mistakes and there might be one or two moments where he gets caught out. But... You know, to to be a progressive team you have to be progressive at the back as well. And he brings a lot of that. The the third goal that Arsenal scored against um who the hell did Brentford. we play? Brentford, exactly. Brentford, yeah. Thank you very much. Uh <laughs> we scored. But that little one two in midfield to, to set the move away, having almost been caught on the ball. I mean, it's 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 not like anything I can remember before.
3: No. Uh from- Beckenbauer. No, well, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to be carried away. No, but you asked me at the beginning if I'm surprised at all. I mean, that maybe is one aspect that he's surprised me a little bit. Um, just, you know, you talked about having the attributes that he's got, you know, being strong, being, being, being quick, reading the game well. You know, he's got all the defensive attributes, but what really is standing out at the moment is that it's the way he's carrying himself on the pitch. Uh, the composure on the ball, the aura he's he's giving off, which is incredible for a young man, and I think it's so important um, for a for a centre back because it sort of breeds confidence a- around him as well. And um, that, I mean, yes, we saw it, we saw it at Marseille. I mean, he would always be comfortable on the ball, and he'd try to do something with it rather than just you know shoving it out to the fullback. Um, and he does try and move the ball forward if he can. Uh, whether, yeah, I, I maybe wasn't expecting him to be that good that quickly in the Premier League. You know, I I thought maybe a few safety first balls, a few lumping it up up upfield. The first 15 minutes I thought against Brentford, I mean, I was with my French eye, if you like, watching him maybe more than Arsenal's other players. And I just thought it was so impressive. I mean, it was a great all-round performance from Arsenal against Brentford. But I thought in those first 15 minutes, the way Brentford... You know, tried to attack us, playing the balls in, in into the channels as we knew that they would, um, trying to catch us on, on the transitions. And uh, uh, not only was he quick, but like you say, when he got the ball, he'd keep it. You know, he he he'd play a little simple bar, pass into Shaka or, or Party, and there wasn't any sort of giving it back to Brentford. And I, I just think he took the sting out of them, got the first goal again on uh, you know on, on eighteen minutes. And I just you know he didn't he didn't win the game on his own but those 18 minutes was a massive factor i thought to kind of just quietening the crowd getting the goal and you know amazing
1: stuff sure and we've added goal scoring to his repertoire as well he had one goal yeah. before he came to arsenal and he's now got you know 200 percent more goals than he ever had in his career before so i mean that's a that's a nice little thing but you know it, i think it plays in when you're a guy who's six foot four when you've got a um, a team that's good from set pieces you can surely contribute Yeah, he's got that.
3: I think he's got that in him. I can remember quite a few near misses. He got an equaliser, or it would have been a winner, I think, for Marseille at the Parc des Princes last season. That was cancelled for offside by VAR. Mm. Um, And and I can, yeah, I can remember a few sort of balls off the line and stuff. So only one or two goals last season could have been five or six. And yeah, he's got to, he's got to bring that into his game. Uh, Yeah, you talk about surprising me. The the left-footed shot, I didn't see that
1: coming. No, no. I don't think anyone did. He <laughs> didn't do that in Marseille, I'll tell you. <laughs> well, Zinchenko definitely didn't see that coming. So um, <laughs> the way he reacted to that. Um, can I ask you a little bit about, like, when we think about a player, we think about just this, this guy in isolation. But generally speaking, players these days have got people around them, management uh, management teams, agents, those kinds of things. And, and I suppose one slight worry worry from an Arsenal perspective. Was, we know he's into the final two years of his contract, that there is a decision to be made at some point. And, um, you know, he's spoken about being open to a new contract, I think. He talked about liking London. He likes the team. He likes the fans. And I think the fact that he's been an ever-present in a Premier League uh, team so far this season with the World Cup on the horizon, you know, those kinds of things will play into his ambitions. The, the, the fact that he's become such a favorite with the fans, with the song, and the song is being sung in the dressing room as well. Um, I, I guess it's probably gone better than anybody, any of us, or maybe even he would have expected. But what what is like the behind the scenes on on him and, and what roadmap is there for his career, if you like? Um, because Arsenal would obviously, I think at this point, want him to extend his contract because you know they would be mad not to but how open do you think the player will be to that and and if he had some doubts let's say this time last year after he'd been uh, sent out on loan how much do you think the fact that he is being picked every single week uh, will play into what decision uh, is down the line
3: yeah I think it's it's massively important I think when the season started was it was it because of a Tom Yasu injury that that saliba effectively started against palace with with ben white and mm. you know from 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 the beginning it, you know he he basically made himself undroppable really mm. um, and i think that yeah that was really important I, my my dad who's a big arsenal fan and a real warrior kept messaging me saying but he's going to leave he's going to leave in august i was like well, he's not going <laughs> to leave now is he you know he's he's playing and the fans are, are behind him and uh, um you know, it would have been it it, it, it would have been a, a hammer blow, but I think he does feel central now to Arsenal's plans, and you know, the World Cup is is incredibly important in in his mind. So I think if he'd have started the season on the bench, I, I couldn't imagine him rushing into signing a new contract. Mm. But in terms of his his career plan, you know, I I think he sees himself at Arsenal for um, for a good period, hopefully from an Arsenal point of view, uh, you know, a very good period. Um, and I'd be amazed if talks aren't going on at the moment because I don't think Arsenal will be in a stronger position to tie a player like this down to a new contract. They're top of the league. They've got some fantastic young players. The future seems to be really exciting. So mm. I'd be yeah, I'd be disappointed from an Arsenal point of view if they're not trying to, trying to tie him down. And hopefully there'll be news in, in the coming weeks. I don't see any reason why... Why Saliba would, uh, would 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 work against that, even though yes, a, a player sort of you know has it in his own interests, if you like, to go to the final year of, of, of his contract. But you know, you'd like to think that a deal can be can be struck.
1: Okay, fingers crossed on that one. Let's move on and talk about uh, another player who's been sent out on loan to France. Quite interesting comments um, from Flo Balagoon this week as well. He's on loan at Rance. And uh, he said, before I moved, Mikel just wanted me to develop as a man. It was kind of like an open answer. It was for me to interpret what he meant by develop as a man. uh, And he says, uh, by moving abroad, I'm starting to learn what he meant by that. It doesn't just mean on the pitch, but also... Off the pitch, and he's had a really bright start to his uh, his season in Ligue 1.
3: Yeah, no, moving to France turns you into real a real man. Actually. You know me, you yeah, know that yeah, for sure. Exactly, So no, it's, <laughs> it, it, it it is interesting. I think it's I think it's really positive to to give yourself that chance in a in a foreign league. And he certainly seems really invested and really sort of open. I've seen lots of clips of him with with his teammates. I know in that interview, he's saying. Bloody hell! It's difficult. They're all speaking French. <laughs> which, um, <laughs> K- Cael Sabri's, you know, which, which is what happens quite a lot here. But he's got he's got an English speaking coach, Oscar Garcia, who's a former uh, Barcelona player and has had a, a long and varied sort of coaching career, and 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 is good with young players. So you know, I think that probably would have gone into Arsenal's sort of thinking as well. Um, Rouse are. I think the youngest squad in Europe's top five leagues. They're a really young team. They're down in seventeenth. Uh, Balogun started brilliantly on the pitch. I think five goals in his first six or seven. Mm. He's got five goals in eight now, but um, uh, that's that, that's pretty impressive. I wasn't sure that he would start for them, but he's made himself uh, you know a definite starter now, and he's given a couple of interviews to the to the French media as well, speaking in English. But you know, it shows the sort of openness that he's. He's looking to sort of, you know, enjoy a, a nice season, get to know French football a little bit. Mm. It's a it's it's a little club, um, in the middle of the Champagne region, beautiful place. It's only about an hour and a half from from Paris, so you know, a nice place to to spend a year. And if he's playing regularly in that very young rounds team, so I think it'll be nice for him because there's plenty of sort of twenty year old, nineteen year old. So he should be able to make good friends. And, um, yeah, really, really positive so far.
1: What about the, I mean, the issue of the language he does talk about in the interview. He said, uh, it's important to throw yourself in at the deep end as I'm trying to do. Hopefully I, hopefully I don't drown. He says there's only three English speaking people at the club. And then he said he's got French lessons once a week for an hour, which doesn't sound like, um, a lot to be honest yeah. um but at the same time if you're training every day with people who are speaking the language every day that's how you a lot of how you learn you you pick it pick it up on the playground so to speak but it how important is it a thing because um you know i've visited france once or twice and i've found like they do appreciate or they do want you to speak the language yeah. um they don't just want you to say it in english louder is that a <laughs> decent way of putting it <laughs> No
3: i think that's i think you you you've hit on it there to to be making the effort like he's he's not going to end the season fluent in french if he's only doing an hour an Mm. hour's lesson i mean unless he's sort of going to the the cafe with le keep and you know having a good you know it's dictionary and having having a good read through of that um but um i think yeah it's important to make the effort i also think the young french people more and more and more want to practice english so he'll probably find a lot of a lot of the youngsters you know he can communicate sure Obviously, you know you need to understand French for those sort of moments in the game where you have to to, to make a call. But the, you know, there's also the football vocabulary that I'm sure he'll 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 learn. That that's the first thing they learn. It's not like us; we ask how to get to the station. They they learn how to say "man on" and uh, uh, "I'm free" and stuff like that. So sure, he'll be
1: all right. All right, cool. Uh, Nuno Tavares is on loan at Marseille. That pathway um, <laughs> seems fairly well trodden at this moment in time. Had a great start, and I think we got one of those sort of archetypal first few weeks of the loan move kind of interviews from him. It, it, I remember it happened with Danny Ceballos when he came over and, uh, um, had that really good performance against Burnley in the sunshine very early on in that first season that he came. And there were all these interviews about like, well, he'd be open to staying forever and all that kind of stuff. So that, that initial glow, that kind of honeymoon period, how is it going for him there? Yeah, really, really well, really well. I mean, he surprised
3: me, you know, when you, Think about how it kind of finished for him last season at, at Arsenal. You know, his confidence was, was rock bottom and he's um, he has hit the ground running. I mean, uh, one main difference is that he's playing as a left wing back and not as a left back. And having watched him in the last few weeks I'm and, in fact, having watched him play left back for Arsenal, I'm convinced he's not a left back and mm. he's a left wing back or possibly even a forward, you know, possibly even a left winger or forward because he, you know, he's been... Doing a lot of damage, you know, with his with with his running, and mm. um, he, he's extremely quirky. He, I mean, you know, you know, you've, you've, you've seen him as a player, but when he's played for Arsenal, he's had to worry a lot about the defensive side. And at Marseille, he's been given pretty much free reign um, to to attack. And uh, yeah, I think I tweeted something about this uh, the other day when Marseille was struggling against Lille. They were one nil down, and it was the first game that they'd rested Nuno because they've been playing Champions League as well. Mm. And the coach put him on after twenty two minutes and uh, the impact he had he just got the stadium going you know a couple of rampaging runs up, up the left he's he's finding an end product as well which he didn't have at arsenal he's you know he's managing some of the time when he gets up the wing to to pick out teammates with his crosses the other thing you know we saw him quite a lot especially in his first few weeks at arsenal trying his luck from from long range <laughs> and quite often those right footed shots would kind of like skew off high in high in the stand they're going in He's got had two or three long shots with his right foot into the bottom corner. People have been asking him if he's right-footed. So, look, I'm I'm surprised, but let, let's hope it continues. I mean, you know, the other side of the coin would be that in the two Champions League games, he's he's not been as effective. Um, the levels been a, a little bit higher, albeit one of the games was uh, was was against Tottenham. But Marseille <laughs> should have should, they they dominated, controlled it for sixty minutes. Maybe not dominated, but mm. Tottenham has as they tend to sort of yeah hit hit on a couple of counterattacks. Um, but no, really, really, really positive. I mean, at the start of the season, I didn't think Nuno Tavares had a future at Arsenal. I, I'm still not 100% sure he does because I'm not sure, even though he's a player that's come in under Arteta, I'm not, you know, he's still a bit raw. You know, some of the times when he goes on these runs, he, you know, say he looks like a giraffe would be a bit harsh, but, you know, with those long legs and he, you're kind of wondering if he, if he quite knows what he's doing, you know, but, um, but he's been quite effective a lot of the time. So I, I, I do think, having watched him the last few months, that he has talent and he has yeah, the ability perhaps to be an Arsenal player one day. But I'm still not 100% sure that will happen.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure he's a left-back. I think we kind of gathered that last season. That Well, certainly he's a, a left-back with a lot to learn defensively. But when you can get him going forward, when you can get him running... At the opposition, then there's certainly some talent there and some potential there, and uh, the ingredients, or the the bits and pieces have come together with the goals he scored early on for Marseille, so good luck to him. Fingers crossed it it continues to go well. Just finally, some thoughts from you as as an Arsenal fan on the start uh, to this season. We're sitting top of the table in the middle of this international break, of course, North London Derby on the horizon, but, you know, chalk and cheese when you compare it to this time last season, and certainly not just in terms of points, not just in terms of where we are in the table but the the sort of mood the um the belief the what we consider that this team is uh has got in its locker i think compared to 12 months ago is is really quite different
3: yeah absolutely absolutely it's really really exciting i'm you know like like a lot of arsenal fans probably like have you know, trying to stop myself from getting too excited or, you know, because I, I, I kind of went on strike after the Newcastle game. I just found it so, I, you know, because I did buy into a lot of the, the feel-good factor after, you know, last season where yeah. things, things were getting better and better. And I, I went to the first game in ages, the the Wolves game at, at the Emirates. I hadn't been, I don't think, since, since COVID and when Lacazette didn't quite score but got the own goal at, at yeah. the end. It was just complete mayhem in the emirates and it it, had quite a profound impact on me and i just felt as well yeah you could such a difference in in the stadium like the positivity and everybody behind the team and it was obviously seeing a last minute winner was, was 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 pretty special but um that's that's continuing they've made some terrific signings um very excited about gabriel jesus obviously and um yeah keeping my fingers crossed that we get through october if not top of the league then still sort of um, you know with, with, with confidence high and uh, having taken some points at least from from Tottenham Liverpool Chelsea and um, and we'll see but yeah pleased as well that William Saliba is there because had he not returned to Arsenal it would have been the first time I think that we didn't have a French player since 1996 I was thinking about this the, the other day wow um, which would have been, yeah, maybe time for me to come home if if that had
1: happened. Sure, that would have been what well, Remy Gard and Patrick Vieira. Remy Gard and Vieira, yeah. Wow. I mean, we've
3: always had, we've always, you know, we've had lots of French players most sure. of the time, but it's been dwindling a bit under Arteta, and um, I think Saliba's the last man standing.
1: Yeah, we're moving more to the sort of uh, Portuguese. Uh, Mm -hmm. in the dressing room that's the language of the dressing room now Portuguese and English I think more than French so anyway listen it's all going well as ever Matt thanks a million great to talk to you and we'll catch up again soon I hope Cheers Andrew thanks Thank you very much indeed to Matt. You'll find him on Twitter. He is at Matt Spiro, at Matt Spiro. And no doubt we'll check in with him again uh, at a later point in the season to find out how Balagoon and Tavares are doing as they continue their loans in France. Right. Let's leave it there for this week's show. James and I will have an Arscast Extra for you. I think it's going to be on Sunday. Although I have to check with James. I should have checked with James before I started recording this bit of the show. But we will have it for you either on Sunday or Monday. I'm not quite sure. Maybe it might be Monday evening. Is it possible that we've made an arrangement and I have forgotten? Yes. Is it possible that we haven't made any arrangement at all and I've forgotten that we haven't made it? Also, yes. Anyway. We will have one at some point. So uh, keep an eye on Twitter and on the website and everything else. I'll give you the uh, the heads up as to when we're going to record that. For now, though, have a great weekend, whatever you're getting up to. It's uh, non-arsenal, so you know, you're know you free to do all kinds of, of things that you might not normally do, such as uh, I don't have a clue and beats me but whatever you do have a great one with family friends and good people i'll talk to you uh, on the arsecast extra with james whenever that's happening for now take it easy and we will catch you on the next one until then cheers bye bye Welcome back to Talk Shite Radio, talking shite about sport 24 hours a day. We are talking Premier League this morning, and with me to do that, everyone's favourite ex-pro, Danny Cunty. Hello. Danny, let's start at the top of the table. Arsenal, six wins from seven, playing some exquisite football this season. Had a little blip at Manchester United, but
4: bounced back against Brentford. Comprehensive win there. The Gunners are looking good so far. Yeah, you could say that, I suppose. But if you're like me, one of the great minds of football, you could focus on the real issue. And uh, what exactly is that real issue, Danny? The fact that Mikel Arteta should be put in prison. Prison? Damn right. I'd have him doing a 10-stretch in the scrubs for what he did at Brentford. And uh, just remind me what
1: exactly it was that Mikko Arteta did that requires him to spend a decade of his life behind bars.
4: Well, he's given the debut to a 15-year-old. And that is problematic. Why? Well, first, it's disrespectful to the opposition. You're basically telling them, look, I can beat you with a player in my team who isn't old enough to go to a pub after the game, get shit-faced, and then drive home. And I don't know about you, but I am extremely invested... In child labour laws. Um, What does this mean for the rest of the country when they see a 15-year-old? Are we going to have urchins back up the chimneys again?
1: What about the cancer argument, Danny, that it says more about the talent and potential of 15-year-old Ethan Nuaneri than it being some kind of made-up crime?
4: Yeah, but I don't accept that. I'm just concerned about this young man, this this boy, this lad that I hadn't heard of until two days ago. Who's looking out for the best interests of Eden and Eve, Eve, Eve and Eve... What, what's his name again?
1: Uh, yeah, I think we might leave this one here, Danny. As ever, thank you so much for bringing all your wit and wisdom to the airwaves. This is Talksite Radio, and when we return after the commercial break, Graham Soonis is here to tell us why, instead of penalty shootouts, we should go back to when men were really
4: men and decide games by two players fighting to the death. Michelato is a terrorist. Oh, shut up, Danny. Talk shy radio. Talking shit about sport 24 hours a day. 24 hours a day.
0: Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials?